John's Gospel, chapter 4. We're going to read verses 21 through 24. Very, very familiar text. And, and Lord willing, this is kind of setting us up for our Tuesday night. Uh, the Lord's really been dealing with me. Looking forward to that. And uh, we're, we're going to begin to speak on, on that tonight. Looking at spirit and truth. Worshiping in spirit and truth. John chapter 4, starting in verse 21, reads like this. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. And verse 24, we can all quote, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Lord, I thank you for your word tonight, O oh God. And I realize that, that the words in red, Lord, really should be the whole book, for you are the inspiration of it all. But help us to understand what we have just read oh god help us to worship you in rightness of heart oh god help us to understand that our truest desires isn't of this world oh god but it is a world to come lord that it isn't just something but it's someone oh god and help us to understand that in your name we ask amen thank you for standing uh very familiar text of scripture absolutely love this passage of scripture the woman at the well is us y'all like we are the outcast that christ went out of his way to speak to first and to not only go out of his way to speak to but but he said i must needs go by samaria he meant to speak to this woman and it's a woman that nobody wanted to speak to she's at the well at the wrong time just we know we know this we've preached on this a, a hundred times at least maybe even thousands throughout your christian walk you've heard it speaking she's there at the wrong time she's in the heat of the day because the women of the town didn't want to have anything to do with her and, and there she is she's an outcast and and she comes to this well and she's met what she thinks is going to be a, a hard day because here's this Jewish man sitting at a Samaritan well, or, uh, 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 yeah, Lord help me, sitting at this well, at Jacob's well, and they, they just didn't mingle, right? They didn't mingle well. And this woman from Samaria hears something that is crazy. This Jewish man says, give me the drink. Give me the drink. And she says, what are you talking about? Don't you know who I am? I'm from Samaria, and 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 we're not supposed to mingle. And and he, she says, you don't even have anything to dip with, right? Oh, how am I supposed to give you something to drink? And and Christ says to this woman, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for a drink. And that's when she says, well, you don't even have a bucket. You don't have a ladle. What are you talking about? I'm the one that's bringing stuff to gather water here and he begins to unfold who he is and and the way that he does that is a way that we really shy from nowadays as he starts to starts to meddle in her business starts to get to know 
the root of her. And then he just unfolds those things that she really doesn't want to talk about. Right? I mean, he's saying this and that and the other. And, and then he says, well, why don't you, you know, it's not right for me just to be talking to a woman in the middle of nowhere. Why don't you go get your husband? And, and she says the first truthful thing. She says, I don't have one. And, he, and we know the story. He says, you've, what you've said is, is of truth. You, you've been married five times and the one that you have now isn't, isn't yours. And then she tries to flip the script. It's getting a little too close to home, right? You're starting to bear witness to, to the things that are in my heart. And, and I don't like that. So she tries to turn religious and she says, well, you know, our fathers worship in the mountain and, and your fathers worship in, in the temple. And, and where are we supposed to worship at? And then we pick up on where we read. And he says, believe me, an hour is coming when neither a mountain or Jerusalem is going to be the place for worship. And he begins to unfold what it is to be what we know, a Christian life, that God, the creator of the universe, desires to have people people worship him in a right way, in spirit and truth. And this idea of worshiping the Lord in spirit and truth, it comes from this this very conversation here, starting in verse 6, going all the way through verse 30. And in this conversation, God, uh, Jesus reveals himself. And, and, you know, she says, we're supposed to worship here. You say we worship there. And the Messiah is supposed to become, right? She starts throwing out this religious jargon to, to try and tell this man she knows what's going on. And, and what he says is, I am he. I am the one. And something miraculous happens in this woman. She no longer tries to deflect. She no longer tries to, to, to uh, say one thing or the other, but she goes and she runs back to the same city that rejected her. And she begins to proselytize. She begins to witness. She begins to speak with a loud voice. Come see a man, right, who told me everything that I've ever done. And, and that is... That is conversion, right? That's, that's what we say when we witness to other people, when we tell our testimony. If it is a right testimony, it's come and see a man who told me I was bad but still desired to have relationship with me. Come and see a man who didn't allow me to stay under my iniquity but changed me from the inside out. Come see a man who can change you, right? He changed me so he can change you. And you may be stubborn tonight and, and say it's impossible. You don't know what I've been through. Uh, listen, I don't. God does. The message is still the same. Come and see a man. And he's willing to change. It's not about what you've gone through, but it, it's about the one who can see you through, right? So Jesus had... He just revealed that he knew everything about her. He, he ref, uh, refused to be distracted from what he was really trying to, trying to tell her. And what comes out isn't a, a three-step, four-step, 12-step program, a formula on how to get right with, with God, but it's, he tells her what it is to be right with God. It's to worship him in the right way. It's to worship God in the rightness of heart, in spirit, and in truth. 
what that woman got at that well today was exactly what Jesus told her. She got everlasting water. She was revealed to her the truth of, of who this Messiah was and a change in her spirit. So the overall lesson about worshiping the Lord in spirit and truth is that worship of God is not to be confined to one single geographical location. And we can all say praise God to that, right? We don't have to make a pilgrimage to Israel to worship in a temple. That would be very difficult right now. They're under attack. Well, let's let's just step back a couple days before that. Everything's fine. There is no temple. So where do we where do we worship at, right? Right here. We can worship God here in Deville. We can worship in Elik. We can worship in our homes. We can worship in our cars. It doesn't have to be worship just because we're in church, right? That was kind of kind of quiet, but that's okay. That means you're thinking, you're listening. We get this mentality of if I could just make it to church, everything will be okay. If I can just make it to the house of God, then God will hear my prayer. He will answer my plea when, when all we have to do is worship Him in spirit and truth. And some may say, well, I can't sing. Worship is more than singing. I, I, can't, I can't do this or I can't do that. Worship is a, a rightness of heart towards God. We're going to see both tonight and Tuesday night, if you can, be there. That it's not just one aspect of our life, but true worship, it takes all of us. It's what Christ said. We need to worship God, right, in spirit and truth. We need to worship God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. He didn't say to leave any part out. He said to be about the Father's business. So we could say thank God that it's not in just one location. There's many of our church family gathered right now in their place, worshiping the same God that we're worshiping. And the Word of God says that if they're doing it in the rightness of heart, if they're true believers, then God is with them just as He's with us here. Thank God that we don't have to have that burden on us to be the place that God can move, right? I want God to move here. That's not what I'm saying. I desire God to move every time that we're here, but praise God that He's moving down the road too. Uh, praise God that, that it's not just up to us to be right so that God can move in the world, but it's God who is moving through His people. He doesn't wait for us to move. He says, you need to be right with me. I am moving. Be about me in spirit and truth. With the coming of Christ, the separation between Jew and Gentile it was no longer relevant. That's what he's telling this woman. It doesn't matter. There's an hour coming. Tell I believe, believe me when I'm telling you that it's not in a special mountain. It's not what the Jews are doing. It's not what the Gentiles are doing, but it's what God's church is doing wasn't any more relevant, nor was the, the temple the means of worship. God was going to move from the temple and set on the hearts of men. We were 
going to be the temple. Why is it important to maintain these earthen vessels to to try and do all that we can? I'm stepping on my own toes. I'm trying to do better. But to to maintain these these vessels that God has is given us because we're we house the Spirit of God. It's a truth that you are the church. It's a truth that you are the means in which God is moving in this world. Maintain what He's given you. Worship became a matter of the heart. Not external actions and directed by truth rather than ceremony. Notice He didn't say spirit in ceremony or spirit in tradition or spirit in the way the Jews worship or spirit in the ways the Samaritans worship, but he says spirit and truth. There's a right way to, to do this, and we have the way tonight. True worship must be in spirit. That is engaging with a whole heart. Unless there's a real passion for God, there's no worship in spirit. You have to be passionate for what you do. There has to be a reason that we're here, and it better not be just so I can look at you. You should be passionate about being about the Father's business. We quoted it tonight in our 5 o'clock group. It fell not to assemble as some do. That's a commandment, but I want to be here. I'm not here because it's a commandment. I'm here because I love my God, and I want I want to keep His statute. See the, see the difference. My spirit, my my truest desire is to worship God. So I'm going to be with His people. I can do it at home by myself, but it's way funner here. It's way it's way cooler to be with like-minded people, right? Thank God that I can bend my knee in my home and I can pray and God hears me. But man, I'm down a lot of times. I don't walk on clouds. I wish I did. I have a hard time maintaining this cheerful disposition sometimes. As my wife could say, Amen. Well, times is hard right now. Listen, we know who we're talking to. We're supposed to be cheerful people. It's not a cheerful time. But I can I can get some ease. I can be edified. I can be uplifted when I walk into the house of God and I know that I'm surrounded by people who desire to be there, who can just look at me and just hug me and say, good to see you, right? Sometimes that's all it takes. You don't have to say, you don't have to give me no huge, uh, huge speech. You know, God has showed me today that you are in need of prayer. You know, I need prayer. Pray for me, right? Yeah, God's showing you that. He, I'm sure he is. Just pray for me. I can leave uplifted. There's a reason behind everything. It's not just a list of do's and don'ts, but there's a reason we come, we come to church. It's because I need my family. Same reason I'm going to leave here and I'm going to drive to Center Point and I'm going to sit around a table with my physical family because I, I need to commune with them. Life is horrible, and, and, and it's our own fault that we go 50 different ways, right? But I need to sit down, and I need to talk with my people. And it's the same way tonight. All this is talking of our spiritual engagement. Being engaged wholeheartedly. Being passionate while you're here. 
At the same time, worship must be in truth. That is properly informed. We're not just wild and out around here. We're, we're governed by the Word of God. We're not less passionate because we're truthful. The Word of God would say that our passion is directed in the right path because of the truth. It's very tiresome to, uh, I think, of cheerleaders and, and, and pep rallies and stuff like that. Man, there's so much energy that goes on in those things, ball games, things like that. But if we don't know how to direct it, right, you're just wasting energy for nothing. Same thing in, in our spiritual lives. You could be going 90 to nothing and doing nothing spiritually. Just, just wasting time and wasting energy when we need to be directed by the truth of God. Worship is a matter of the heart. And that takes spirit and truth. I need to be informed of the truth so I know that I'm right in spirit. Spirit without truth leads to a shallow, overly emotional experience that can be compared only to a high. It's cool for a minute and then it's gone. As soon as the emotion is over, the fever cools, the worship ends. We, we see that sometimes in, in some of these places. Truth without spirit, on the other hand, can result in a dry, passionless encounter that can easily lead to forms of joyless legalism. It's just work. I mean, he's going to wake up tomorrow and be happy to go to work. Some of us, right? And I would hope that we are. But sometimes it's just work, right? Tomorrow may be a good day. You may be looking forward to it, but Tuesday may not be a good day. Tomorrow is going to dictate a lot about how our week's going to go, right? You don't know until you get there. Monday hits you like a ton of bricks sometimes. You're like, it's going to take till Friday to take care of this mess. It's just horrible. How sad would it be to live our spiritual life like that where it's just work, just climbing all the time, just trying to trying to work, trying to get up this mountain, just trying to do do what I know is right. That's not how we're supposed to live our life. We're more than overcomers in this. Doesn't mean that our days aren't hard, but it it does mean that we're passionate about what who we believe in. The best combination of both aspects of worship result, uh, results in a joyous appreciation of God informed by Scripture. That's what spirit and truth is. It's a joyous appreciation of God informed by Scripture. It's not our own mentalities or our own emotions or our own feelings, but Scripture has told me who God is and I appreciate Him for who He is. The more we know about God, the more we appreciate Him, just like me and my wife. Ten years down the road, I know her more than I than I did when we got married. I thought I knew a lot about her, but I know more now. I've been through more. We've been through more, right? We've had to wake up and we've had to choose each other on some days. Some days it's, it's, it's been easy. Other days it's a choice. We choose love. We need to do the same thing with God. Choose God every day. Wake up and choose God. What does that look like? Every day is different. Wake up and choose 
God. I'm going to worship You in my spirit because I know what the truth is. God's not changing. He's not changing. We know what the truth is. The more we appreciate, so the more we know, the more we appreciate Him, the more we appreciate, the deeper our worship. The deeper our worship, the more God is glorified. And that's what we're here to do. Jonathan Edwards said it like this, I should think myself in the way of my duty to raise the affections of my hearers as high as possibly I can, provided that they are affected with nothing but the truth. So what Jonathan Edwards is saying, by the way, this is a pilgrim. This is a Puritan. You know, those joyless, lifeless, it's it's all truth, no spirit. At least that's what we think. This is one guy sitting here telling us that it was his job, it was his duty, it was his burden as a pastor to raise the affections, that's the emotions, to raise the emotions of his people as high as he possibly could as long as it was governed under truth. So we need to live like Jonathan Edwards. We need to raise our emotions as high as we can as long as we're still governed by truth. It's okay to get excited. It's okay to say amen or hallelujah. And I'm not saying nothing about us, but but just in, in our life. It's okay to get excited about the things of God in our, in our life, even in the midst of struggle. I'll even go as far as to say, especially in the midst of struggle. You know how much damage you give to the devil when he gives you all that he has, and you say, praise God. Thank God that I'm struggling with this today. That's not a, that's not a way we normally think. But thank God that I'm struggling with this sin. What are you talking about, preacher? There's something on the inside of me that's causing me to see this, and I'm struggling with it. Whereas before, it was just part of my life. It was just part of my culture. I'm passionate about something other than the things of this world. There's something higher in my life than than the passions of this world. My emotions, my affections, they're seated in a different place than they once were. So what is worship? First, it's important to understand, you know, what worship is. And many equate a worship to singing music in church, and it's been boiled down to to those 15 to 20 minutes, those three to four songs, those two hymns and two worship songs that we we play, and then we're going to listen to to the preacher, right? But that's that's not what worship is. Worship isn't even a church service. Worship is life. It's it's every bit of it. What we're doing right now is we're being filled. The Word of God says we're being filled through song and through spoken word to, to battle for the rest of the week. That's what we're doing. And guess what? This whole day isn't going to be enough, so then I'm going to have personal devotion. I'm going to have personal prayer time. I'm, I'm going to fast. I'm, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do because Sunday isn't enough. I need to worship God, and I need to worship God fully, and, and I, I just I didn't get enough on Sunday. If we could just live life like that, I, I didn't get enough. Say, my Lord, we spend all day here. We have, we have Sunday school, and we have 
morning service and we have five o'clock and we have six o'clock and sometimes stuff in between. It's not enough, y'all. It's not enough. But sadly, for some of us, that's all we get. It's what happens on Sunday and and we just pray to God that we'll make it to next Sunday. It's a defeated life. That's not worshiping with a whole heart. That's just worshiping because the Bible says so. So worship is, uh, we can look at it like worth-ship. Worth-ship. In other words, we when we worship something or someone, we declare that that thing or that person is worthy. They're worthy of worship. And you could stop right there and you could look inward and, and take an account of what or who you worship and and that thing or that person is what you truly count worthy in your life. And that's a scary place for some people to see because where it's supposed to be God, if we were truthful, there's a lot of things that are trying to pop up in that place. Whether that be friends, family, things, money, uh, the list can go on and on and on. Everything in this world is trying to gain that place where God is supposed to be. Everything is supposed to try is is trying to gain worthiness in your life. The Greek word for worship implies an attitude of reverence. It even goes as far to include physical gestures like kissing the hand or or, or kneeling. Right. So why do we kneel? Well, it's because what the Bible tells us to do. Kissing the hand. Think of think of the days of old when when uh, peasants and and royalty met the king. Right? What did they do? They kissed they kissed the ring. They bent the knee. Right? They showed loyalty. They showed that he was worthy of whatever they were given. We need to do the same thing, but to the rightful owner of this worship. We worship something when we act as if it has value. Why is our paper money valuable? Because we say it is. We find worth in it, right? Why is limestone not as valuable as gold? Because we've deemed gold to be more valuable than limestone. Why is oxygen cheaper than insulin? That's a good question, right? I need insulin. But I need oxygen before I need insulin. But we've put a higher worth on medicine over oxygen. We've decided what's valuable when it's God who has all of the value. We worship what we find valuable. Why is somebody killing themselves right now for the love of money? Because they find money valuable. Why are they killing themselves for this, that, and the other? Because in their life, That's the most valuable thing. Why do I devote my life of service to God? Hopefully it's because I find him worthy and the most valuable thing, right? We can go through the word of God. It's like that one who finds the costly pearl, right? It's that one who finds the treasure in the field. It's he's valuable to me. So I'll shun everything. I'll give up everything because he's worth it. Same thing I said when me and my wife started dating and 
and we courted and we decided that we were going to get married. That's what you tell the world with your wedding vows. I shun everybody and I take her, right? She shuns everybody and she takes me. Why? Because she's found me and I found her valuable. So valuable that I'm willing to neglect everybody that I ever see ever again. She's my wife. I'm her husband. Well, that's the same thing in the spirit, y'all. Why is it so important for us to see our spiritual life as a marriage? Because that's exactly what it is. There is nothing more important to me. There is nothing more valuable to me than Christ. If we could truly say that and live it, then whatever is taken from us in this world, it wouldn't matter. Whatever happens to us in this life, it it wouldn't matter. I didn't say we wouldn't be affected by it, but it doesn't matter. What matters is Christ. Thank God for grounds. One just gave way. Sometimes our worship is focused on that which is actually worthy of reverence, right? That's right worship. Other times it's misdirected. It's not right worship. Worship is a a life response to the worthiness of its object. When we worship God, we do so in response to who He is. Our attitudes and our actions reflect what we believe the character and context of God to be, and we deem Him worthy because He is. He is worthy. At times, our worship is expressed through corporate singing. Worship does include singing, but it also includes teaching, and it for sure includes living. It includes what we do more than what we say. I can say a lot of things, but what I do tells you exactly who I am. Just sit back and watch. I say I'm I'm a child of the king. Praise God. Watch me for a little bit. Take me at face value because that's what we have to do. I I believe in faith and what you say is true, but I'm going to watch you. And I'm going to see what fruit you bear. What I do or what we do is more important than what we say. That's not to say that what we say isn't important. Spirit and truth. It's expressed in our daily lives through prayer, through scripture reading, acts of kindness, gratitude, pure thoughts, all those things that we're about to get into in Galatians, right? We're going to go through all the bad things that don't inherit the kingdom, and then we're going to go through the good things. So that's what worship is, and now we worship in spirit and truth. It's important to note that we do these simultaneously. I don't worship in spirit one day and worship in truth the next. I don't worship in spirit while we're singing and then when we sit down to be preached to, now I'm worshiping in truth. It's both simultaneously. I need spiritual eyes. I need spiritual ears, both in our praise and worship, we call, and I need that to be told the, the Word of God as well. We don't worship in spirit in one setting and truth in another, this is Bible study, so I'm going to worship in truth. And okay, this is this is praise and worship. So so now it's time to unleash the spirit. That's that's not how we do this. It's both. 
He didn't say spirit or truth. He said spirit and truth, right? It's both. Our spirit is the core of of who we are. It's the center of our will and our emotions. That's important because it's who we are. So how do we worship? With everything that we are. To worship in spirit then is, is to do something that is beyond the physical. It, it goes beyond just what I feel or my emotion, but it includes those things. It's okay to feel good when you're at church. It's okay to be emotional. Some people laugh. Some people cry. Some, it's okay to be emotional. We don't worship by simply bowing our knees. We worship through a posture of the heart. That's what Christ is trying to, to tell us in this. And to worship God uh, in truth means that we worship based on truth. This includes the truth about who God is and, and what He does, why He's worthy of worship. Everything in this world is telling you they're worthy of worship God is also saying He's worthy of worship. The only difference is He's right. He is worthy of worship. He is truth. We don't forget about our hurt. We worship God even even when we experience heartache. And when we worship Him, we don't forget about our hurt, but we worship even though we hurt. It doesn't change reality. It doesn't change the truth of of who God is. It doesn't change the grief that we feel, but it sure helps it. It doesn't help us to ever forget, but it helps us to cope. We see that plenty of times through Psalms and David. He says, the enemy has surrounded me. I'm, I'm about to die. This is crazy. I don't understand where you're at. And all of these psalms, right, he goes through line after line after line of of all of the bad that's around him. And then he always ends with thanksgiving, but I will praise you, right? Why? Because you're God. That's what he says. Sometimes that's all we got to go on. I'm going to praise you because you're God. I don't understand. I don't know what's going on. I don't even know if I'm going to make it through this event but I'm going to praise you anyway. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't know that they were going to go through the fire. They said he was able. Our God's able to bring us through this, but even if he don't. In other words, if you throw us in that fire and we burn to death, does it change the fact of who God is? He has the ability to save us, but if he doesn't, he saves us. Right? Let's have that that mentality. You can't do anything to me. The worst this world can do is kill us. It's the worst the world can do is to end our life. And that begins eternity. You can't do anything to a Christian that warrants us to walk away from God. There's no reason to do that. The Bible would warn us to not do that. Worship in truth. Worship in spirit. We also worship in joyful circumstances when they come. Truth itself can be a means of worship. Sometimes I don't feel like praising. Sometimes I don't feel like doing godly things. And all I can do is just open the word and read. 
and it may just be falling on uh, not deaf ears, but it may feel like it's going nowhere. But just being washed in the word of God is a form of worship. To worship God in spirit and truth then is to declare that God is worthy of our reverence. We do this both through our emotional core and in light of reality. It's a both and. It's a both and. We worship God based on truth of who He is, the truth of who we are, and the truth of what God does, the truth of what is going on in the world. We don't turn a blind eye to any of it, but we praise God in the midst of it. We do it with a heart inclined towards God and in submission to Him. That's the biggest part. That's the biggest part. That's what Christ was telling that woman at the well. That's what the woman at the well ultimately did was she submitted to the man at the well. She had a lot of questions. She had a lot of rebuttals. She even tried to skirt around the issue. But at the end of the day, she's back in her hometown telling everybody, you're in the wrong place. You need to come out here. Let us be like that. Let us live a life like that. God, more than anything, sees what you're going through. He sees what you're going through. That's the craziest thought that can ever come through a mortal's mind is the God of the universe sees me. Not that he's just looking down from heaven and he sees his creation. He, he sees me. He's invested in me and he knows what I am going through. And he still declares, you praise me and I'm, I'm coming to you. You pray to me and I'm coming to you. I'm, I'm, I hear you. I hear you. Next time the enemy whispers in your ear, next time the you in you says God doesn't hear you, that's a lie. He hears you. He sees you. He knows you. Praising. Praising. You would be amazed. You'd be amazed what just a little bit of praise can accomplish. Just worshiping God in spirit and truth in your normal day-to-day life can accomplish more than, than any counselor can. No offense. Any, he can. A moment with Christ is more than anything that we've said today. Anything that I've put into your ear, anything that you've clinged to, praised God for, but if you just had a, an encounter with God, it's more than what I can do in a lifetime. It's the same thing that happens to each of us when we're at our wits end. I don't know what to do. I don't even know what to pray. I don't know what to say. Like Paul, I don't believe Paul and Silas was very joyful after being beat and thrown in jail. It says that they sang hymns. I don't believe they was over there praise breaking in the corner. I don't I don't think that they was passing the plate, right, in the offer plate. I I believe it was very sorrowful. It was very grievous for them, but they did it anyway. They did it anyway for no other reason, but they, they knew that they needed to. Because what else can they do? Sit there and bleed? What can they do? Let us live life like that. Who else is going to come and help me? I need God. When I'm in the middle of my struggle, praise Him. 
thank him for being God and being there and seeing me. Because he does. Amen. Let's stand tonight.